Glad you all are here today. Welcome to everybody who is joining us online. I want to go on the record and be really clear about something. Yeah, I prayed for the snow, <laughs> but I didn't pray for the cold. Okay, so please don't assault me on the way out to the car. I'm not going to tell you what I think about it because I really like it, but I don't want you to know that because I really don't want to get beaten up today. It's Sunday. It's Valentine's Day. Who wants that? So I'm, I'm really glad you're here. Those of you who are wise and you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, so there's a great book called 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and he talks about an imaginary village that's also very hyper-realistic, and it's a village where the people have been suffering from an insomnia so long that they're starting to lose their memory. And even simple things are starting to get away from them. One of the villagers named Jose had a great idea. As he saw this happening, he took ink and a brush, and he started labeling everything for everybody. So he went in the house, and he labeled chair and table and sink and pan. And then he went outside to the corral, and his pig, cow, uh, banana. And it was just a reality that was slowly slipping away from the people. So then he got even more explicit, and he started labeling things. Like he said, this is a cow. She must be milked every day, so she continues to produce milk. The milk has to be boiled so we can add it to the coffee and make cafe con leche. You know, as this reality just continued to slip away from them, finally there was just a sign at the entrance to the village that said, God exists. And so even that knowledge was getting away from them. The moral of that story is that just sometimes things are just very easy to forget, even important things, things that you swear you'll never forget that. It just gets away from you. You forget birthdays, you forget anniversaries, you forget important things you committed to, you forget that it's Valentine's Day. There's just so many things that it's so easy to go, I never thought I'd forget it, but here it is, and I did. And so it's good to just stop and make ourselves aware of the things we do want to remember. The Apostle Peter talked about that towards the end of his life. If you were to go into the Bible to 2 Peter, you can hear him saying this to some friends that he really cared about. He says, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and you're standing firm in the truth you've been taught. It's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. And he goes on to say, The Lord's made it clear to me I'm going to die soon. And he just concludes it with this way. So in verse 15, I'll work hard to make sure you always remember these things even after I'm gone. You know, many important things can slip away from us. That's why uh, we want to remind ourselves of the things we've made personally that are commitments or that are important to us. We want to do that together as a church. About once a year, I try to circle around and just say, how are we doing as a church? Just state of the union for us. And just to point us once again to all the things that we believe together as a group of people. If you're newer here, welcome. I'm glad you came today because you get to see what's really important to Connection Christian Church. You get to see our heartbeat, what makes our heartbeat faster. We're going to talk some, about five things. If you want to write these down, uh, this is kind of an outline. It's not uh, grand, but this is kind of a little more detail-oriented today. So I, hopefully this will help you get a glimpse of who we are. If you've been here for a while, maybe it's a reminder of some things that you forgot. So let's talk about who are we? What is a church? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's our mission? How do we, what do we do? What are those things that we do to carry out our mission? Uh, where are we going? What's our vision? And then finally, just very simply, how are you doing? How are we doing together? So in terms of talking about who are we, uh, we're a church. I want you to go back to the Gospel of Matthew to see a conversation that took place. I just read from Simon Peter. He's one of Jesus' closest friends and followers. Uh, I want to go back to a time when he was a much younger man. This is in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus was here on earth, and he had his closest friends and disciples around him, and he was sitting there asking them questions, and he got really pointed. He, Jesus looked at his disciples and says, Okay, I want you to tell me, who do you think that I am? 
Peter, being the leader of the group, spoke up immediately. I'm going to read this out of the New International Version. Simon Peter answered Jesus, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, this is something you might find interesting. Out of all, there's a whole lot going on here. I want to narrow in on one thing. This is the first time in the English Bible that the word church appears. You can check me on it. I'll wait. <laughs> no. It's really, it's in the English translation, this is the first time this word appears. And here's what's interesting. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. But Jesus didn't have a church building in his mind when he said that. The word that we translate into English as church in his language always meant something else. It always meant a group of people called together for a specific purpose. Like a hundred years ago, when you could still go to a Blues game or a Cardinals game, that would have been a church. That's an assembly. It's a group of people gathered for a specific reason. When you were at school and you had school assembly, that's a church. It's a group of people. So when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, is he talking about the building we're in right now? No, he has us in mind. Church is who we are, not where we go. So we talk about who are we. I just want to remind you, this is so important. This goes all the way back to when we started Connection. Connection is met in a lot of places in our lifetime. This is, I'm happy that we're here, but this isn't where we've always been. We started in a bar. started in Knights of Columbus Banquet Center, which was really interesting. You had to walk past a neon sign that said the bar is open to come into our services. We had to cover the beer taps in the children's ministry every Sunday. We had to pick up beer bottles out of the park. It was awesome. A lady, I remember coming to church for the first time. She was so excited to talk to us after service. She said, I cannot wait to come back next week and bring my husband. And tell him, look, it's in a bar. You've got to come. You'll feel right at home. So, but it doesn't matter where we meet because church is who we are, not where we meet. And so we've met in the KC Hall. We've met in hotel banquet rooms. We've met in schools and uh, renovated warehouses and a movie theater. And I'm happy again to be here. Some of us are joining online, and we can have church in our living room or wherever you're at. But here's the thing. Church is who we are, not where we go, which brings up another interesting question. If church is a group of people, who's welcome in the circle and who's not? And that goes to the next question about, you know, why are we here? But because some people have this perception, and maybe you've had this thought before, or you've talked to a friend who's had this thought, okay, church is good for church people. Church is fine for people who like church, but I'm not a church person. And so, I mean, it's cool. Like, some people say, I'm not a golf person. Golf is fine for golf people. Flea markets are fine for people who like to go to do that stuff. And, you know, uh, going to work out at the gym is fine for people who are into fitness. But I'm not that kind of person. I don't see myself on Sunday morning going to church. So, kudos to them. There, there are so many people out there who go, church is not for me. And they even may take it a step further. Church is for good people. And I'm not a good person, so therefore I probably wouldn't be welcomed if I did walk in. I've colored outside the lines. Or even a step further where people would say, church is for people who think they're better than other people, and I don't judge people, so I, why would I want to go somewhere where they just put their nose up in the air and act like they're holier than thou? Again, this comes back down to not just who we are, but why we're here. Before I answer that I want to show you something else that Jesus said. This is out of the end of Matthew's gospel. This is literally the last things Jesus said before he left the planet. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples. By the way, let me just say something right here before I go any further. Anytime you see the word disciple in your Bible, if you just write the word apprentice or student there, it works. I know like my whole life I was confused. What's a disciple? How is that different than an apostle? So, 
Okay, so Jesus just came to his closest students or his apprentices, and he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is after he's raised from the dead. Therefore, you go make disciples. You go make students. You go make apprentices of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So you go down to, why are we here? Our boss, if you're a Christian, has told us. You're here to make other students, disciples, apprentices of Jesus. Let's go back to the question of who can be in this church. I'm looking for loopholes here, like who we can exclude. I'm looking, first of all, at the example of Jesus. When he was here for 33 years, was there anyone that he wouldn't teach? Was there anyone that he wouldn't sit down and break bread with and eat a meal with? Was there anyone he wouldn't heal as long as they had the faith and trust to ask him for help? Our boss welcomes anyone and everyone. Anyone, everyone. So anyone between anyone and everyone gets to be part of his church. It says it's, it doesn't matter what country you belong to, what language you speak, you are welcome to become a student of Jesus, to become a follower of Jesus. Jesus is for everyone. And some of us are very thankful that that's true because otherwise I'm not a church person either. I probably wouldn't be able to be here either. But because Jesus is for everyone, that means that we're supposed to go out to anyone and everyone that we're in touch with and just invite them to become part of this thing that Jesus calls the church. The gathering of people who are, as Josh said just a little bit ago, people who don't deserve God's grace but all needed it and all got it. And that's our mission. And I'm not going to try to throw shade on other churches here. Please don't hear what I'm about to say in that regard. There are a lot of great churches in our area. You may have driven past some of them to come here, so thank you for being here. I think there are some churches out there who say the right words, that our mission is to reach other people. It may be on the wall somewhere in the building. It might be on a brochure that they printed and hand out. But if you spend any time there, you realize the real mission is not the mission that Jesus gave us. The mission might be protecting the way they do church. It might be protecting the, the building. It might be protecting the finances. It might be putting on this wonderful event for the community. It might be about keeping their little group very secure because so, we like each other and we know each other and we don't want it to get any bigger. And, and that's not written down anywhere, but that's really the purpose that everybody's working off of. I'm so glad that that's not the case here at Connection. We have a purpose here in our church. And it's not one that, like, our elders just sat in a room and thought up. We didn't just go, like, what do you guys think we should do? I don't know. What do you think we should do? No. We, we look at our boss, and he tells us, you go invite all the people around you, anywhere in the world, to become my disciples. That's your purpose. That's your mission. The way we say it here at Connection is we're here to connect people to God and each other through Jesus. This is the way we state Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Other churches may say it a little bit differently as well, but it all comes down to the same thing, just inviting people to come be a part of this wonderful thing that God is doing in the world. So that's why we're here. Let's talk about what is it that we do. If we know that God has a church, it's us, it's a group of people who are called, anyone's welcome to be part of it, we're supposed to invite them, what do we do in that regard? Well, we're told by Jesus, go talk to them tell them about me. So if at some point they're going to make a commitment to me, maybe, so you baptize them in water, and then you continue to teach them. Right there, that's everything. So you think, well, what can I expect from a church? Well, this. You should expect from any church you go to that they help you grow closer to Christ, that you get connected to him. It's like when I go to Apple. What, am, what are you looking for if you go to Apple? I know I'm looking for electronics that make my life better. What do you get when you go to Starbucks? 
a liquid that makes your life better. What should you get when you go to a church? Well, this is some new language that we've developed here. Uh, that you're going to, I'm not going to go way into it because you're going to hear it for the rest of our lives, but we've always been saying connecting people to God and each other through Jesus. We haven't always talked as much about the how. So there's going to be three words that really describe what we do here. We're here to make disciples, we're here to mentor disciples, and we're here to mobilize disciples. Make disciples is easy. It's doing what Jesus said. I want to say thank you to all of you through the COVID crisis and everything else. You guys have stayed engaged. You guys have been great neighbors. You've stayed engaged online. You've just really participated in this. I've got to meet new people through COVID. I would never have thought that, but because you guys are bringing people and inviting people and welcoming them into the family, we've continued to meet new people even through this. We've met some new people through online, and I'm welcoming you again because I'm so glad that you've connected with Connection in this way, and hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime. There's just so many things about making disciples that we want to pay attention to as we go forward. We don't want to ever lose, lose track of the fact that God put us here to reach out to the next person who needs to know of God's love for them. And um, I know there's this thinking that sometimes it, and I understand it, you kind of get cozy and you get comfortable. And there's a thinking of, well, I guess the church is big enough now. You know, we don't want it to get too big because then everybody won't, I won't know everybody, which really means everybody won't know me. But who are we going to say to, like, you know, we don't need you here, we're big enough. No, we need to continue to make disciples. As many as God puts in our way, we're going to welcome in here, and we're going to help them grow in Jesus. And then we get to the other M. We make disciples, and then we mentor them. So at my house a while back, I was replacing trim around a door, and I took the old trim down. I didn't take a picture of anything. I just thought trim. I can do that. I know I'm not a great carpenter, but I can do trim. So I'm putting the new up. And so just picture, you know, like where the door opening is, I put the trim right up to the edge and it didn't quite look right. So I stopped for a moment and I normally would have gone to YouTube, but first I just went and looked at some of the other doors in the house and I saw the trim is not right up at the edge. It's about a quarter inch off the edge. You go home and you look and your house will probably be this way too. It's called a reveal. It's a technique that people have been using for thousands of years. It creates these interesting shadow lines and it just it hides the imperfections in the wood. Carpenters use it. Architects use it. I was about to not use it. And so later, I was watching one of my favorite carpenters on YouTube, and he explained that he's actually seeing a lot of in, uh, homes where he walks in where it's not happening. Younger carpenters or do-it-yourselfers like me don't know about the reveal. And he said it's because they don't have an older carpenter mentoring them and showing them the way. There's so many things you just don't know unless somebody tells you. You need a mentor to help you do better. You need somebody. So sometimes it's them telling you things, but sometimes it's just you catch stuff you, as much as caught as is taught. You know this is true if you have kids. How many things do you teach your kids? Look both ways before you cross the street. Here's how you tie your shoe. We don't say that to little sister. That's the things we teach them. But how much do they pick up from us? Things we don't even want them to pick up from us. They're playing with their little plastic tools and something goes wrong and they throw the hammer down. Dang it. You go, Ooh, I never taught them that, but that sounds like something I would say. You know, driving their little car. Move it, buddy. Oh. They're like sponges, right? That's the, the, that's the thing that God has put into us. By being with one another, we rub off on each other. Not just the bad things, though. Just something about being with other godly Christians, people who are trying to move in the same direction you are. 
we mentor each other. We help each other grow. And so in, at Connection, we are all about that. We want to make sure that in our children's ministry, we have the best teachers we can. In student ministry, the same thing. That in our life groups, we're all trying to be together, not just on Sunday morning, but that we're sharing life together so that we're all moving forward in the way that God wants us to. So there's make, and there's mentor, and then there's mobilize. Once God has been at work in your heart and your life and he's done some good things in you, it's your turn to turn around and be part of the mission to make disciples. It's just a virtuous cycle. It's a loop. It never ends. And this is what God has intended for us. So let's talk about where we're going. What's our vision for the future? You know, every church ought to have a vision. We ought to have like this picture of what we think the future should look like. We don't want to get our vision and our mission confused. The mission will never change. Jesus is not going to change his mind about what churches are supposed to do. But what we're going to look like five years from now, that should always be changing because you're changing, I'm changing, the church is changing, our community is changing, so we are constantly adapting. We don't want to get stuck in a rut. I want to give a huge shout-out to a PE teacher down in Richardson, Texas. His name is Dale Irby. Dale, back in the early 70s, was disturbed in his second year of teaching to find out when he got his school pictures back that he had wore the same outfit for two years in a row. His wife thought it was hilarious. She dared him to do it a third year in the row. And he just kept going. Dale wore the same outfit for 40 years for his school pictures. I know some superstars that won't wear the same outfit twice. Kudos to the commitment there. Real men of genius. Way to go, Dale. And, uh, you know, like he said, it was some, there were times there where he didn't even fit into the outfit anymore. He just wore it, sucked his gut in long enough to get the picture taken. They had to change clothes after that so he could teach PE class. I love this. This is hilarious. This is not so funny when you're looking at a church that's stuck in 1973 because they've never updated their vision for what God wants them to be in 2020, 2021, 2025. And you may have been, to again, not trying to throw shade, but you walk in, it is 1954 in so many ways, from the decor to the way they do things. You just think, oh, bless your heart, is this really what God put you in the community to be and do? You've confused the mission and the vision. The mission should never change. The vision always should. It should always adapt. That's why I'm so proud of you, Connection, because you have always been willing to think about where we're going. I'm so proud of, we, we came in with a vision for our future. Every year we talk about it, we update it. But this last fall, we really went bold with something called Daring Faith. We talked about how there's the next generation coming up, Gen Z. It's a huge age group, 25% of our population. And there's a lot to like about this generation, but there's some things about them, like they're the most biblically illiterate generation in United States history. There's a lot of other things about them that say we really need as a church to be intentional about reaching the kids who are from college age on down to preschool. So Daring Faith was about putting ourselves in a place where we could, with great credibility, reach them. You're already seeing some of the things that have come out of your Daring Faith commitments and your, and your contributions. I'm so proud of a church that says we want to look younger, not by kicking all the old people out. We just want to say we want to be a church that says if you're 14 and you're gender fluid or you're 13 and you don't know what you believe or if you're 21 and you don't think that God exists, you're still welcome at Connection Christian Church to figure it out. And there's going to be people who are two and three times your age who will love you and will spend time with you and have you into their home and they will listen to all your questions and they'll listen to all your comments that you're going to change your mind on in 10 years. And this is just a place where you will be embraced and you will be welcomed. Thank you for being that church that embraced that vision. I know we're at the very edge of it. 
But I'm so excited to see what, you know, like in 2025, if we could just get a picture of us post-COVID where we all get to be together again, just to see what are we going to look like. I'm so excited for the future that God's bringing us into. Yeah, I just want to wrap up my time with you. One last thing. How are we doing? Coming into 2020, we had some really lofty goals. Back in, I think it was 2019, we had set a three-year picture and a 10-year picture for us, ourselves, a vision of what we would look like. And I remember, like, by the end of 2021 into 2022, we were visioning ourselves to have, like, 650 people in worship, an online service, three services in total, five ministers on staff. We had offering goals and small group goals. It was a big picture, and we were on the way. It was a God-sized vision, but it was doable, and we were well on the way. And then COVID hit. I remember it was in March that Pastor Jeff got to be the first person to preach to a camera in an empty room. He did a phenomenal job. You should go back and watch that sermon. And then it was Good Friday, and Pastor Aaron did a fantastic job bringing us an online Good Friday service. I remember thinking last year, there is no way that we won't be back in the building for Easter because of COVID. (laughs) And I got to, in April, preach to a camera in an empty room as well. And I don't know if you guys were there for that or not, but thank you if you were. It was a rough year for a lot of people. And we're still coming out of some of that stuff. And so you talk about how are we doing, we had a lot of obstacles to overcome. I know that many of you have personally felt just beat up and bruised from this year, and me too. What I'm excited about is what God has done in spite of all the things that we went through. This church has continued to flourish, maybe not in the way that we thought it would, but it has. Part of our vision before we hit 2020 was to have a strong online service because we knew that's where the next gen is going to be. So we were ready before COVID hit. At the beginning of 2020, just a little insider baseball, I don't know if this is boring to you or not, but as a pastor, I geek out on things like this. There was a study done by either Gallup or some group with pastors saying, what are you focused on as you go into 2020? Do you know where online services were on the list? It's like 14th or 15th. It was the bottom of the list in January of 2020 among leadership and churches. Thank you, Connection. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, tech team, for helping us be ahead of the curve because we were ready for it. I mean, we had a lot of scrambling. We had to learn a lot of things, but we were still able to continue reaching out. And thank you, Connection, for being generous through all that time. We were able still last year, in spite of everything, to baptize people, meet new people, help people move forward in their faith. We had, I think it was the second highest annual offering ever due to your generosity. We were able to welcome Ashley Davis to our team and our our staff team and our children's ministry. So many amazing things have happened in spite of what's been going on. I hope that in spite of everything you went through, that you feel like you were drawn closer to God, that you've become closer to other people around you, because that's why we exist yeah, this is like today is a, it's a hybrid. It's, it's a state of the church. It's just how are we doing? It's, we're wrapping our business meeting up into this as well. The elders are going to go ahead and come up now because we're, since we don't have anything to vote on, the elders are just going to be here to share a little bit about what's going on in this church. And it's like one minute, two minutes. So if you're new here and you're like, oh, no, I didn't know I was going to get to be sucked into a meeting, it's like a minute-long meeting. So you're welcome to leave if you want, but I would invite you to stay because, again, you get to see what's important to our church. Um, you know, by the grace of God and his strength, there's so many amazing things that have happened. And I just have one last encouragement for you before I turn things over to Dave Fails, our chairman of our elders. I want you to be a part of what's happening going forward. I want you to be all in. I want you to take the next step of whatever it is that God is calling on you to do. 
Because there's something. God is always inviting you to take another step, to do something. And if it scares you, you probably are talking to God. (laughs) What is it that he wants you to do to be part of this? How could God use you to reach someone else? Maybe on the other side of that, maybe you need to start imagining yourself as a person who's, believe it or not, going to church, moving closer to God in spite of everything. That's our sincere hope and prayer here at Connection. I'm going to turn things over to Dave now. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, it, as Brian said, it's been a 